Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Freestyle Life, a podcast about real people living real lives, managing their diabetes. I'm Elizabeth Estes, and I'm your host for today. In full disclosure, I myself am not living with diabetes, but I am engaged in supporting the community through my family and my friends. The only way those of us not managing diabetes are going to learn how to best help is by asking those who are. On this podcast, we will hear authentic stories, some designed to uplift, and most all designed to teach. We'll speak with experts, advocates, and those attempting to change the diabetes ecosystem for the better. This podcast is in partnership with Abbott because we're in this together and we're stronger together. Welcome to Freestyle Life. Have you ever met someone that you realize this is a really good human being? This is someone who cares a lot about other people and you leave them feeling both uplifted and humbled and wondering what else you can do in the world. Well, that's exactly how I felt after I spoke with our next guest, Ebe Silva. Ebe Silva was born in Brazil where he rode BMX bikes as a kid. He moved to the United States to study and then ended up creating his life and his professional career in Sweden, where he founded the XL Biking Club. Welcome to Ebe Silva. Thank you so much for joining us on Freestyle Life from Sweden today. We appreciate your time and and are excited to talk to you. So let's first start with here you are, you're going along and you go to see an optician. That's right. That's what happened. Um, I was on a work trip to Brazil and um, I figured, well, it's about time I changed my prescription glasses. And uh, what happened is I turned to a friend of mine who's an optician and I said, well, look, I'm going to come by and let's take a look at it and I'll take advantage of the nice prices here in Brazil, blah, blah, blah. So she takes a look at it and she goes, well, now that's really weird. Let's let me look at your papers from uh, your previous uh, time here with me. And she said, have you noticed any changes? Like, did you feel any, any, uh, she started asking me questions, whether I was uh, more thirsty than usual and things that didn't have anything to do with it. And I asked her, well, why are you asking me these questions? And, and she just said, well, we are thinking that something happening here that it's not supposed to be happening. And um, after she ran a few more tests, and she actually asked me to, um, whenever I came back to Sweden, to run blood tests, because she suspected I was a diabetic. And uh, immediately after that, when I came back to Sweden, um, I I ran the test, and lo and behold, I was a type 2 diabetic. And according to the doctor, I had been that for quite a number of years without knowing it. And you had no symptoms that would cause you to have suspected it up until that point? I mean, it was a total shock to you? Well, see, here's, here's uh, what was happening. I had such a hectic lifestyle, which I've now changed. And um, I did feel some things, you know, but then I thought, well, it's jet lag and I'm traveling too much and not eating as I should or, you know. And, and I thought it was something due to my, to my lifestyle, which was, in a sense, but uh, little did I know that diabetes had been in the family for a while. So I started asking around after my diagnosis, and I found out that I had a man who was diabetic, and my grandma was diabetic, and my brother, which uh, compared to me, is such a skinny type. And um, he was also, you know, not just a diabetic, type 2 diabetic. And I said, well, I'm great. I'm, I'm great company. <laughs> now he was the skinny type, but you are self-proclaimed. You 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 weren't at that moment. 
That's right. Uh, since uh, and that had been a, a thing since my study time in the U.S. Um, I uh, studied in Texas for a number of years, and what happened is I put on a lot of weight there because, differently from my my birthplace in Brazil, um, I come from the coast in Brazil, and that's a surf. So we were always on the beach, you know, and then we're surfing, and I used to bodyboard and swim and. I played basketball when I came to the U.S. and, and I and I obviously I I rode BMX in Brazil not competitively but um quite often. So um, when I came to the U.S. it was a it was a different in, in, in lifestyle. It was a difference because all of a sudden we were taking the car everywhere and it was a lot of studies and and I wanted to finish things quickly so I overdid things a little bit and started eating more fast food and I put on quite a bit of I weighed 156 kilos yeah when I, I found out about diabetes which is about 330 20 something I think it's around 340 345 pounds in that range 344 340 wow. so you go back to Sweden you find out that you are now a person living knowingly living with type 2 what was that moment that you decided to start the XL biking club and what exactly is it? It, it was supposed to begin at 7XL Viking. Which seven? Was my t-shirt size. 7XL? Seven, 7, yeah. Was your t-shirt seven size? 7XL, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I was too embarrassed to begin like that. But the main thing was that I had to find something that I was really passionate about. Because I knew, like, I, I you know, I, we, we like the gym and everything. But I knew that wasn't going to do it. Not here in Sweden. Because people are obsessively skinny here. And um, I was too embarrassed to go to the gym. And, and then I thought, well, I'm going to go back to playing ball. And, uh, and then I couldn't find a team that would, you know, take a, a little slower dude like me. And then I thought, okay, what, what is it that I'm really passionate about? And then I had to reach back to my teenage years and, and I thought, I was always biking everywhere, you know, and, and maybe I should do it again. Maybe I should never have given it up when I moved to the U.S., you know. And, and then I took it up and then I said, this is it. I, I can do this. I feel comfortable with it. I can, I can bike long distances, you know. And, but I needed that extra push, that motivation. And then I said, well, I know how I operate. And I function very well under pressure. So I thought, if I expose myself on social media, maybe that will make me do it the way I want it, you know. So I started uh, 5XL biking, actually. So I had, I had already gone down two sizes before I actually decided to expose myself. And what happened was um, right, right in the beginning, um, I met a lot of other folks here in Sweden who had been in my same situation, like, People with diabetes, people that love cycling, because here in Europe, it's, it's part of their daily life. It's almost like they're genetically modified. Everybody bikes, you know, and uh, so they have it in, in their background, and it's something that everyone can do. So I started talking to these people, and um, lo and behold, after a while, we were a bunch of people in there discussing you know, things that we like, things that we don't like, our difficulties, and how the blood sugar level. And I even met uh, an ex-pro uh, cyclist uh, from Ireland who had also um, become a diabetic after his career. And and he was excited, and he started cycling again. And, of course, I got a lot of excellent information from him, you know, like as far as how, how much should I train and, and, you know, little details about saddle height and how does an overweight person uh, face the, the 
you know, the, the saddle pressure and foot pressure and hand numbness, hand numbness and things like that. So, so it was exciting. Did you did you feel think back to that time when you were seven x and then five x and you started this? How how did that feel? Did you feel judged by people when you were on your bike? Now here comes the sad part, right? Because um, just because I had made my mind, you know, I made my decision, that doesn't mean that people would understand that. So I uh, unfortunately, because not everyone here in Sweden is like that, but there is a lot of prejudice towards. Uh, in Sweden. In fact, people people don't even like using that word um, on a daily basis. Like it, it would be normal to use that word. It's just a word in the U.S. or in Brazil, but not here. Here's a, there's this real taboo. So that's how it's seen here. So to be out there cycling, you know, I, I have sort of a bubbly personality. So I, you know, I want to say hi to everybody, you know, and and no, I was, I, at first I was met by fellow cyclists with, um, you know, shouts telling me to go home, that I didn't belong in a cycling path, I was taking too much space, and why the heck why I was wearing Lycra and clothes only real, quote-unquote, cyclists should use, you know, and, and things like that. And then I decided that the, the best way for me to counter that would be to invite the culture, engage the culture, and invite them to a dialogue. And that's when the Excel Biking blog started. So, the, 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 first of all, I can't get over how unfair and how hurtful that is <laughs> that, you were, that, you, that you felt that way and that, that you were treated that way and that there is this stigma. And, and that, that is interesting because when you talk to other people who are living with type 2, they say, you know, I feel judged. Right. I feel like people look at me like this is my fault and, and I'm lazy and I'm oh, other definitely. things. It's so unfair. We should be cheering people on who are doing anything they can to, to help better their health. I mean, that's just sad to me that, that, and I don't think it's just, you know, just in Sweden, I think you probably might feel that no matter where you live on the globe. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. So I was told a story that there was a man who had been a a pretty competitive cycler in uh, non-professional cycling in Sweden who joined your club and he had some trouble from a sponsorship perspective. Can you tell that story? Well, there's this guy and uh, his name is Jens Lindahl. And here in Sweden, we have the, the world's biggest non-professional cycling event, which is the Bestenrunda. <laughs> and, um, and that's a 300-kilometer uh, race. And this guy had done it from his early teenage years up to now. He, he never stopped doing it. So he's up on, on his 11th time. And he has won medals every single time, but was never able to get a sponsorship deal and was never able to um, to get any support from friends or cycling clubs or anything. And he was always doing it on his own. Like, he spent his entire youth, as I would say, a wasted talent. He could be a star cyclist because his times were good, but just because he looked fat, and he is he's as tall as me, so he's about 6'1", 6'2", and he doesn't have that look of a cyclist, Brands would refrain from having him as their uh, their face out there, and he was very sad about it. and And that's when I decided that that um, for last uh, for this year, 2020, we would do a, a an Excel biking team. So I gathered uh, him and five others, and I said, "Look, I'm going to design a jersey, and this is so unfair that you guys 
haven't been mistreated like this. So we 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 are just a little um, Instagram and, and Facebook community. But I'm going to go ahead and register myself as a small business so I can actually sponsor you guys. So you can guys you guys can go up there and show the cycling culture that yes we can yes we can do this yes we can bike the entire 315 kilometers and we we've done it many times before you know. So I gave them a voice in the blog, and I sent them the jerseys. And I mean, it, it, you should have seen that. It was beautiful. Like, it was so touched. And, and some of them, of the other mates were crying and saying that this is the first time in their lives that anybody treated them as, as, as a cyclist on equal terms. And um, the rest is history. Like, since then, uh, a U.S. company called Aerotech Designs, uh, Aerotech Designs makes cycling clothing for, for big and tall. They they loved the guy and, and they called him in to be their ambassador here in Sweden, which is pretty amazing. That's really <laughs> and, cool. um Yeah, so this is a, a lot of the things that we are doing here, like it's the very first time, like we, uh, I, I was interviewed for, for um, a cycling magazine here in Sweden and this is the very first time a fat cyclist is interviewed in a cycling magazine in Scandinavia, period, you know. Ebe, what's the name of your blog? For people who would like to check out your blog on XL Cycling, what, what's the name of the blog and how would people find it? Sure, xlbiking.com, that's it. XLbiking.com is the uh, is the website and, and to check it out. When and and when when you started doing the biking at the five XL, which you were, how did that help? Yeah. How did that help your health? Did that immediate? Did you see immediate changes there? I, I need to say that the, the the very first and and probably it this is the change that impacted me the most was uh, the the mental health. Because I have had issues with depression and low self-esteem, and, and of course I, I'm in this culture that um, if you saw me walking around in the U.S., you would say, "Oh yeah, here comes that, that he's big bone, big guy, you know, six one and whatever." Nobody would really care. But here, when you see me, it's like people are actually scared of me because of my sheer size, and um, that did something to my mental health as well. So when I started cycling. I was just so excited, you know, just the sense of I'm doing this and, and I can feel the wind in my in my hair, you know, and I, I feel the freedom of being up there and I can tackle distances, you know, and, and I started like reacting differently to when people judged me, you know. I was in better spirits, let's put it that way. And um I realized that I even had to um adjust my my depression medicine. Because I didn't feel the need for the same dosage as I as I used to have. In fact, it's uh, we are about getting ready to uh, cut it all together. To me, as you know, in my regular line of work, I'm a family counselor, and um, I'm, I, be, I began to get interested in in the effects of it. You know, as as you know, we have the Scandinavian darkness this time of the year, and that affects a lot of people. But um, I then decided that I would bike even in winter, even in the absence of light, and see if that had the same impact on my mental health as when I when I cycled in the summer. And when I came home after cycling in the winter, I was feeling even better because it was like, wow. And it was during the winter that the doctor said, we need to go down to only one metformin a day for you. You don't need more than that. 
the biking really did help your blood sugar then if, if you were able to cut your cut the medicine that you had been taking. You you know that for true. Yeah. To to me it was a life saving thing. So much so that um I know that if I'm feeling down psychologically or if I feel like my body is not reacting very well and I need to do some quick change in my diet and everything, I know that I always have cycling there to back me up, you know. It will back me up. I know I'll get a kick out of it, you know. I'll What's, feel better emotionally and I'll feel better in my body. What advice would you give for people who say, look, I have a bike, but I haven't done this. How do you get started? It, is that just, is that the advice? Just get started? Well, my, my first advice would be uh, consult with your physician because that does make a difference. Because once, once we started moving, you know, however, if it is biking or walking, the tendency is that we'll get hungry. And uh, we can't incur in going back to old eating habits, you know, just because we're moving. Because the, the brain is tricky and it will trick you. Oh, you deserve this. You know, oh, you're going to burn this anyway when you walk tomorrow. So talk to your physician and, and get a plan for yourself as far as, okay, if I'm going to cycle one day, should I eat more carbs the day before? Or how does it work for me to eat a small amount of carbs during my exercise, let it be walking or cycling? It's, it's always a good starting point. It's, it's, to be in the ballpark, you should always talk to about. And then the second thing is, of course, get started. It doesn't matter if you bike around the block or if you bike from your driveway to the next corner. You are a cyclist. The moment you have decided to do that, you are a cyclist just like any other cyclist. All cyclists push their bikes. All cyclists walk their bikes. All cyclists at one point or another will walk their bikes. Don't worry about it. Don't compare yourself to anybody. You are your own cyclist. And, and try it. At least try it. If you have a trainer at home, if you have a stationary bike, try it. It's easy on your joints. You know, it won't tire you as much. But if you have the means, if you have the money for that, get a bike fit, a good saddle, you know, and make sure that you have proper clothing. Because I started without cycling clothing. And I then I had to stop for three months. Because I had severe wounds. I'm talking deep wounds, you know, because I didn't wear cycling appropriate clothes. On the XL biking, um, would, if, if people wanted to join... Can they start their own? Would you help them? How? What do you see for XL? We're in a bit of a transition period right now because from the get-go, I've been saying that we do not want to be an exclusive cycling club. Our idea is that XL biking is, is more like a community. And the reason why it's called XL is because I, I, I decided that I wouldn't be counting like progress 3XL to 2XL to 1XL to XL. It's not how that works. It's XL because it's extra large and everybody has a place. So we got skinny guys, we got big guys, we got all all kinds of people. And, and especially like we're a community open to uh, LGBTQ um, community and the kids with Asperger's and a ADHD, you know, and everybody that is forgotten about the cycling culture forgotten about by the uh, cycling industry. We want to gather all these people and say, we are cyclists, we're together, we can do this, and we deserve to have our own place. So my idea was that we would find cycling clubs and we would strive to be part of a cycling club just like everybody else. 
But now what I'm saying is people want to start right. Uh, so what do you do if you want to start an Excel biking ride? Um, you get in touch with us, and um, of course we have some some uh, easy guidelines, much like a cycling club, of course. And, uh, but the main thing is that anyone can start your own Excel biking group anywhere they want, and you don't even need to buy a jersey for it. If you want to, you, of course you're welcome to buy the jersey, and it would be cool to see more people with the jersey representing telling the world that, that our message of tolerance and respect and inclusiveness, you know, is strong and, and alive and well. But it's not mandatory. And um, it's, uh, we, I used to say we have three rules. You come, you like it, you become part of it. What I love about the XL biking um, concept is that you don't have to be XL to wear the jersey or to wear That's the right. shirt. It's, it's for anyone who's felt marginalized. That's right. Yes, yes, you're right about that. And uh, and I have found these people in all communities, all of them, you know. So I, I've been part of the Autism and, and Asperger Association of Sweden. And it's amazing what is being done as far as cycling for these guys. I just met a guy recently that uh, has a whole mountain bike project geared toward kids with autism. So I'm trying to learn. I'm taking input from people uh, in the U.S. And I've recently made... Uh, I signed the, the cycling industry pledge by WTF Cycling Explorers, which I commit myself and Excel Biking to always include people of color, LGBTQ people. We, uh, we need to understand that we are all humans and we need to stick together, you know. And when I look at a person, what I'm saying is somebody that's just as valuable as I am, one that has the same issues that I have. It doesn't matter what group they belong to. We cannot benefit from this sport together. Ebe Silva from Sweden talking to us about XLBiking.com. Check it out. And you mentioned the community factor in all of this, and, and I'm assuming that that also plays a huge positive role in those people who are, who, who are living with diabetes as well. And, and how many of the XL Biking group are, are also living with diabetes, and how many people have you spoken to with, you know, with the club and through the club to try to help them have a sense of community? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't think I do. Well, let me try a head count because we are, we are now on, on our Instagram community. We are up to uh, 1,700 people. But here in Scandinavia, we are the second biggest uh, cycling blog right now. And uh, I, I get messages daily, so much so that I'm, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm in a transition point. I'm saying, what am I going to do with this? Because this is going to take a lot of time. <laughs> So am I going to take more time from work to dedicate to this? And things are pointing in that direction because this really is my passion. I, I wanted to help you. And uh, to me, like human beings are the most precious things on this planet. My commitment to caring for people. And I always say we, we need each other to start with. And we can't do without meeting the person. So cycling for me starts often with the ear and not with the legs. And that's what I do on a daily basis. I listen to people. I read their messages. I make a point to answer them. Up to now, I don't know how it will be in the future, but up to now, I've been able to write uh, own little personal notes and a personal card to every speaker, to every jersey, to every everyone that, that um, orders anything or wants to have a you know something from Excel Biking so they can have at home. 
because I think that is important, you know, and and people on their on the other hand started talking to each other, and the community has its own life, which to me is it's so um, rewarding to see that happening because I see they're following each other on Zwift and, and on social media, and they're giving each other advice. And it's almost like I'm a, I accomplish my mission when I make myself unnecessary, unnecessary. They they don't need me anymore to have that community. It's a vibrant community of itself, you know. And to me, that's that's the greatest reward. I do it any time. <laughs> Ebe Silva, living your best life for sure. We are so grateful that you decided to take some time and talk to us about XL Biking. On Instagram, it's XL Biking. And to check out the blog, it's that's XLBiking.com. Right. I'm excited to check out the website <laughs> and to see how you uh, keep evolving this amazing concept. Thank you so much for the time you spent with us today. And we are excited to see what your future holds. Thank you very much. So that's a wrap on this edition of Freestyle Life, a podcast brought to you in partnership with Abbott. We want to thank Ebe Silva for joining us and for all of you as well. If you have ideas for this podcast, questions that you'd love answers to, or guest suggestions, we want to hear from you. Please drop us an email at ideas at freestylelifepodcast.com. We'll talk with you next time. Until then, here's hoping we're all living our best lives. The views, positions, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily reflect the views of Abbott Laboratories. The views, positions, and opinions represented, as well as any reference to a specific product or entity, do not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by Abbott.